going, boss. Hey, you, right? There's a lady up there called Joey, and she went down and come down on a vessel boat and told her to get out of the way. She said, I'm not having no way, she said. be the widest pavement in North London. There's harder bits and then there's softer bits, like areas where you can go freelancing on your own, innit? You can go places, there's some places you can't, innit? Oh, it's got a little park around right about there, I don't know if you've seen it. Just flowing, same people you see. Hello, Gold Disney, right, yeah? Well, it's generations, isn't it? I've got my son that lives here, my granddaughter that lives here. You know, my dad married the girl next door. You didn't know anybody else. I mean, the furthest they ever went is they would get on a bus and go to the West End, but that was like going to the moon. Cully's Cully, and I'm there. Home, innit? Home, that's it. So you can describe it. Some of London's thoroughfares seem to be more well-known than others. Take the Caledonian Road. It's about a mile and a half long, almost joining the A1 or the Holloway Road to the north, and Pentonville Road, King's Cross to the south. Most of us have heard of it and perhaps driven along it, but what do we really know about it? The people that both work and live here, past and present. The road was constructed in the 1820s, originally dubbed Chalk Road, and then in the mid-1850s, it was named after the now demolished Royal Caledonian Asylum, a school attended by kilt and tartan-wearing children of Scottish servicemen. For years on, the area attracted Scottish and Irish arrivals, many working on the massive railway lands just to the west. Today, this district attracts new arrivals from all over the world. Some of it has changed completely. Other sections retain its Victorian character. Importantly, though, it still feels very local, with an almost villagey feel to it. My mission is to understand more about the street, to learn what makes it tick. And accompanying me as I walk down the Cali, as it's known, is the artist Richard Wentworth. He's lived here for some 40 years, and he's also passionate about the whole look of the place. We're going to start our tour outside Caledonian Road tube station. Looking south, there's Pentonville Prison to our left. As we begin, it feels like we're actually walking down the road. Richard, it really is down, isn't it? Yeah, there is a sense, as you have in many parts of London, of gravity. And I often tell people who are lost, allow yourself to go downhill. And by going downhill, you will eventually get to the river. Here, you actually can feel yourself going somewhere, but you really don't know where. Is this going to be a heritage tour? It's my heritage tour because as you age, you realise you are your heritage. (laughs) 
my name's Fred Rook, and uh, I've lived all my life in Caledonian Road. So has my parents, my grandparents, and my great-grandparents. Nobody in my ancestry has ever moved out of Island. Joan Rook, Fred's wife. Lived in Caledonian Road all my life, and um, I find living in Islington suits me. Really suits me. I was only seven, and I used to look out for the police for the betting shop, and they would give me sixpence, so I was a tote. <laughs> Did you enjoy it? Yeah. We didn't have any money. I mean, there was five of us living in two rooms. I slept with my brothers. We all slept together in one big bed. Nobody had a really highly paid job. Every Sunday, I was out with my dad collecting the coal money. The whole of London at that time yeah. ran on coal. People yeah. needed it for their homes. Used to give them tuppence if they didn't touch the walls and give them tuppence extra for a chip. So That's we didn't get their walls dirty, dirty yeah. with, with, the dirt, dirt. The, with the dirt yeah, of the coal. The soot. They used to take it right through to the back of the house and a lot of them, they had a bath there that used to go, the coal went in the bath and covered over with a board, wooden board. Mind this paving stone because it's a squelcher. As we're walking along, we are so caught up in text. You know, there's the optimism. The cafe on the corner is called the Euro Cafe, and I think that does more or less date from the launch of the Euro. 50 years ago, it would have been called the Victory Cafe. Now it's called the Euro Cafe. And next to it, incredibly optimistic beauty salon with the wonderful word dynamics in very bold stainless steel typography, expensive work. And then it says a very modern word, hair and skin therapy but actually empty. <laughs> and then next door, something that takes us back to another time, an earlier time, is the cooperative. Yeah. The cooperative has always been in the Caledonian Road, and it's bounced around in its different kinds of meaning and value and the sense of the collective. And as you walk down the street, you pass reminders of so many collectives there were the squats that appeared here in these side streets during the 1970s and the various local community groups that have sprung into life for various different impassioned causes. As we emerge from under the Ferodo Bridge, waiting for me by the Zebra Crossing is local activist Diana Shelley. She helped to rally the community when the Caledonian Road found itself on the front line when the Channel Tunnel was being constructed in the 1990s. They were proposing basically something that would have meant the Caledonian Road, which is a main artery as well as a main shopping street, being dug up for four or five years. And that would have spelled bankruptcy, because if you're one of these small shops 
sole traders, family traders, you are on such a tight turnover margin that if your turnover is disrupted, and it happens even if we have roadworks here for a few weeks, we were looking at mass bankruptcies. And at the time, there was no legal right for compensation for loss of trade. Did you have high hopes? Did you think that you could take, take on what was then the, you know, the Channel Tunnel Railway League and win? We thought we could take it on and we thought we, have, we were well placed to do that. Tell me the group's name. The Cali Rail Group. Cali is what the Caledonian Road is called by everybody who lives here for more than five minutes. And you won, didn't you? Absolutely. As, as a friend wrote on, on the King's Cross Environment website, Phil proved you could take on the government from a back street, and we did. <laughs> Can we read this sign? Yeah, show me. If I'm not in the house, capitals, please leave any package or letter to Altun Maral, next door to George at Internet Cafe. Thanks. George at the Internet Cafe is a wonderful, I think he's Ghanaian, probably the kindest man on the street. There was characters and all that sort of business. Bars, there was an atmosphere. Was it you know, a community, communal area, people friendly with each other? Oh, so, so friendly, unbelievable. We knew everybody. You knew everybody. Hello, Jim, hello, Charlie, and all that. It was wonderful. It was a community. How's that, bud? Got a North Face jacket on, so that's all right, isn't it? North Face? Yeah. So what does that mean? North London, isn't it? Oh. It's all right. Hello, oh. Gold Disney, all right, yeah? Right. Roy! Ah. Good morning. Nice to see you. My friend from Cairo. I've spent more money on bad screwdrivers with you than anybody else. <laughs> nice to see you anyway. Nice to see you. How, How are you today? I'm all right, thank you. Terrific. You? Oh, very good. Uh, we're yeah. walking along the Cali with Richard, yes. just yeah. getting a, a feel of the Caledonian Road through his eyes, talking to him yeah. about the place. We're walking past your shop. How's and it going today? It's all right, it's all right. We're a bit quiet. So Hopefully what do you specialise in? What's your... DIY paint tools. As you see, we are always joking. He's always passing by and he's always asking. Nice Hello. to see you and have a lovely day. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Can I have one of them please? No, I've got this here. This is ready to eat. You could get everything in the galley, everything you wanted. You didn't have to go out of galley, seriously. There was just every kind of shop you wanted. It was a fish and chip shop. Um, the cook shop, which was very popular, the egg shop, Davis's, used to have all the eggs outside, thousands of eggs, all, all on show and all that. Plus, 
on every street corner, on both corners of the street, of Kalinen and Mona and whatever street, there was a stall. Whatever, there was stalls there. Any one is one. Pounds, carrots, potato, mushroom, cabbage, cucumber, green cheese. Nothing worse than a blunt knife. You're likely to cut yourself with a blunt knife. It doesn't cut the meat, it cuts you. The thing is, I can come in and I can come in and talk to Peter, and we have a little chat about anything, right? Well, I mean, you can't go in the supermarket and do that, can you? People actually comes in to have a little chat. Where I came into the trade was that every butcher was always looking for a, an apprentice, like a, a boy. A yobbo, as they used to call them, to learn the trade. And is that what you wanted to do? No, no, it wasn't what I wanted to do, but I mean, that's how it was when I left school. I was set to go into the post office as a, as a telegraph boy, only because I wanted to ride a motorbike. And uh, my, my governor at the time, I was working in the butcher shop Saturday boy, he offered me five shillings a week more. All had apprentices, didn't that's they? That's right, yeah. When you first started, what were the most popular cuts the oh. cheapest they could get yeah that's right they, they knew how to cook years ago yeah. i mean they did I mean, know how to cook i mean that's right. all that you know i mean even my own mum she could make a she could make a shoulder of lamb last till about the, we ate on a sunday she could make it last till about thursday now it was a time when we get a bit of cold weather and butchers used to rub their hands together because they knew everyone would be coming in for for stews mints you know, oxtails, necker lamb. Anyway, I'm going to dash away, Pete, because it's nearly 12. Peter Gardner's butcher shop harks back to a time when the meat industry had a real presence in the area. The former Caledonian market was the largest in Europe, and it was once common to see cattle herded up the road. But a street is changing. A Somalian internet cafe to my left sits alongside a Brazilian cafe and an Ethiopian restaurant. And here's Yesar, out front a dazzling array of fruit and vegetables. Step inside, it's a bazaar, food of the world piled high, and at the counter, Anna, who's been busy preparing her specialities. You uh, have to make, make it grill. Yeah. This uh, pepper I make myself in grill. Tabuli, pomegranate together I make it. Three kind of different colored peppers. Wandering to the back of the shop, I step up into the tiny kitchen and squeeze into it with Anna. Now I make it for wine leaves, stuffed wine leaves. Right. And good. <laughs> and in front of us here are some vine leaves. Yeah, this is for soaking first cold water, because otherwise getting very salty these leaves, yeah. I'm grated here for onion. And I don't like rushing dirty work. Just in slowly and good. <laughs> when is I listen classic music, I do everything. <laughs> more easy, more quick. I'm so happy for classic music listening. It's now my rice. So what do you normally think about when you're cooking, when you're in the back here and you're preparing things? I talk him for heart. I think in just in God, give everybody how give me nice energy, health and good business. Give for everyone. Just I appreciate for God. Are you a religious person? Yeah. Right, so I'm going to pick a leaf Let's out of the dish. Take out. It's all by hand. I hate machine stuff. 
I never use any machine. When you touch your hand, more flavor. I don't know, maybe good energy. This is large leaves. This one is put more extra in, coming large, you see. Are there days when you don't cook and someone cooks for you? Or you go to a restaurant? I never go to a restaurant. But does someone cook for you sometimes? No, I cook myself always. Never give this cooking job nobody. No. <laughs> another sign which is called Ali-I. Bit of deductive thinking, that's the Kali, and then the I is all that's left of the word nail. If you've ever lost a fingernail, visually that's just painful to look at. So I think they're Vietnamese. But this very funny feeling that maybe that this city, all this city does now is decorate itself. We used to sit on the curb, each side of the curb. And we used to sit there with our piece pudding and our saveloy, all clean clothes on, and that was our treat. We used to have the same man come round, and every Saturday night we had the organ man danced with the men in the street doing the sand dance. And they used to have fezzes on and put down sand and all that and do the sand dancing. It was brilliant. Hello. How are you, right? Just interview, because I'm a singer. <laughs> I'm an Elvis impersonator. Listen. Wales may say, only fools are swishing. There's still entertainment on the Cali today. The street's current minstrel is Dave, or Dave Elvis as he calls himself. Elvis is inspiration, but definitely, mate. I love his music, and I always will love his music. Plus, I'm in the choir over there. Are you religious, man? I'm very well? religious, yeah, very religious. I believe in the Bible, everything. I mean, nobody else giving the voice, but God give it to you. Nobody, you can't get it just like that. I mean, do you, there's something of Elvis, Elvis Presley, the real Elvis Presley, yeah. that's that is part of you as well. Part of me, yeah. He had a great voice, you know. I mean, I'm not going to say as good as Elvis Presley. I'm not going to say, but there's only one Elvis Presley, and there'll only be one Dave Elvis in here, round here. There will never be another one like me. You know what I mean by that? Falling in love with you. We're a mile down from the Cali and we've had a mixture of architectural styles from the imposing Victorian prison to functional new builds, but no real landmark. But perhaps here it is. It's an unlikely looking one in its current incarnation, but the Cali baths have a very long history. We never had a bath at all anywhere, but every Saturday I would go down to the baths. And during the war, you would only allow the three inches. They marked the bath. They put a little mark, put on, a mark it, on, yeah. in the bath itself. In the bath. If your water got cold and you used to shower, 
Harry his name was, wasn't it? They shout, Harry, drop more right in number three. No, you got your three inches, you're not getting any more. Seriously, I mean, it was, it was serious. They used to cover that pool over every weekend and we would go dancing, they used to have boxing in there, oh, wrestling. What kind of music did you dance to? The big band. Yeah, Geraldo, with the cotton. I've been doing water aerobics and now I'm going to swim a little bit and then I'm going to the sauna. Well, mostly all of us are over 60. Then we've got one lady, two ladies in their 80s that come and uh, it's really, really fun. If you don't do it right, nobody minds, you know, as long as you're trying. Everybody just chats to each other. You're in the changing room, nobody minds. You're dressed, undressed, we all chat to each other. It's just such a nice atmosphere. My name is Olive Chip and I work at the Cali Pool. I am on the maintenance staff, which means I do a lot of cleaning. So this is where I work, cleaning duties. And this is where I meet a lot of the public. We try, our aim is to keep the floors as dry as possible for customers, and as clean as possible for customers. I usually start about uh, 25 past eight in the morning. And it's, a, it's, it's continuous, continuous. As you can see, there's a good job in it. <laughs> she's brilliant. I told you once, remember? Yes. Said, she's just great. She does a great job. I will, she's always working around. She's never missing. It's fantastic. All my life, I've been a competitive swimmer. I was a British over 40s. I mean, it was freestyle champion. My two daughters were both national swimmers. And they, me and my two daughters are all swimming teachers. And my wife can't swim. The funny thing about living in a city is that something becomes your patch. You know, we're animals really and we have a little footfall. This piece of not more than 10 minutes walk in its length is the bit that I know well and feel I understand. I don't know whether it understands me, but I understand it. There's no doubt that wherever you live, there's a patch with its particular boundaries that you mark as your own. And along this mile and a half long street, every generation has defined theirs. To me, the Cali was from Copenhagen Street, yeah, up to the market, and the old Mayfair Cinema that used to be there, the Gracie Fields opened. Because <laughs> obviously, the Cali, historically, has always been quite a rough, rough and ready area. Yeah, it was. It, it, yeah. You know, and, and you must have experienced that as a youngster. Oh, definitely, definitely. There was the Cali boys you know and they were a little bit hard but then the angel mob were a little bit harder so they thought and and I'll tell you what we was down there one night and I'll never forget the angel mob said they was coming down to the Cali bars dance LB Percival he was a real he would fight anybody 
Anyway, he was hitting somebody, and he sort of hit him, and he was coming towards me. And as he came towards me, I just gave him one blow, and he went over the turnstile. And the turnstiles used to click round. He went right over the top of them. <laughs> Never forget that. <laughs> but there was no knives, in, and it was just fists. And if you knock somebody out, you know they was out of it. Like you know what I mean. But I mean it was just competition, really, to see who was the artist. The rows of terraces to the west of the Cali that Fred Rook knew as a lad have now gone. And in their place is the Bemerton Estate, a maze of blocks of flats and social housing, which Fred would hardly recognise today. My name is Marius Malone, brought up in Cali. Kyle Harrison, like I've been living around here all my life, basically. We're going to take you about the old manor. We're going to start off in Crumbles, where we normally chill the spots. So you're taking us, the first place you're going to take us to is Crumbles? Yeah, Crumbles Park, that's where... That, where we normally hang out. And, uh, now I know a little yeah. bit of the history of that place. That's the adventure playground, Crumbles yeah. Castle. Yeah. Do you know why it's called Crumbles? No. Just where it, where Crumbles was is built, there used to be a block of flats called the Beaconsfield Buildings, a big old block of flats, and that was knocked down in the late 60s. Yeah. And with the bricks, the local community, the people around here, built the adventure playground. That's mad, I didn't even know that. <laughs> Oi! So this is the patch? Yeah, it's just covered with people, yeah, all along here, yeah. Mm. Have a game of footy, like, when the weather's nice and stuff, you know? Have a little, like, drink and stuff, like, with a few girlfriends around or something like that, innit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yo, kill us, man, you boy. Where are you off, though? Looking for them boys? Ah, yeah. three. Three. It sounds like you both feel very comfortable here. This is this is this is your home and this is your patch. This is your sort of manor, really. What about if you leave the area? Still be back here. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll still right. keep coming yeah. back if I left the manor. I'll still be here plotting every day. I wouldn't even want to leave the manor. I'll get a flat in the manor. Really? Uh, you see us? We're plotting here, and it's all nice. When we leave the manor, there's always some weird feeling. There's always a weird feeling. You're in a different manor, so. This is the most comfortable part you have in your life if you brought up here. It's the most comfortable bit that would be about me. What is it? The buildings, the no, sort of the people? Not, not the buildings, it's where family, that's what it is. It's family. We all grew up together. Our elders all grew up together. And even uh, a lot of my friends around here, they're very important to me. Like, if everything was to go off, like, I would I'd do anything like, to stop it. Because like, I know a lot of stuff's going on now. Like, and just like, not long ago over there, one of my mates in it just like, got murdered. and. One thing I, I must ask you is, what is the manor? Bemerton Estate, we call ourselves. Nah, that's what we call ourselves, man. The manor's from King's Cross to top of Cali near Holloway bit, and then from Moorland to York Way. That's where we feel comfortable walking about anyway. What's happened to the older ones when you were youngsters here and the ones that were, were who you are now? What's happened to those guys? I'm probably working in that, aren't I? What would you like to do? Well, right now we're doing music, isn't it? So... That's what's important in our life right now. Yeah, this is my room basically. Like, I was gonna change it into a studio. Cause this is where all of our pals and that come to chill and like have a good time. Like, how many of you had in here at one time? How many friends? <laughs> Say about thirty people. Like, something like thirty that. people <laughs> in this room. You know, we're talking about a room six foot by eight foot. That's about <laughs> it, really. That's a lot of people. Wow. Now, how do you work together? What, what do we do, like? now? If he makes a chorus, he'll come to me. 
go, yeah, I've got a chorus. So I'll write like, a quick 16 to it. And then gradually just build up until you got a track, you know, really. Remember me, cause nice from the team. But I've stuck on these blocks for about a few hours, a few days, a few months. God, that. Like, do you know what? Yeah, see what I'm saying? Like, shedding a couple tears. This is this all hood, like, this is all what's happened, like. Like, he's saying he's got enough love for one of the oldest, innit, that brought him up, innit? Mm. And, like, he's saying he's not disrespecting them, like, he's just thanking them because they brought him up, like, they. Like basically the oldest like sort of like made them harder in it like if you know what I'm trying to say that. Like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying like it's all hood. What do you hope will come of the music? Because obviously the important thing is is you both of you are passionate about music and you want to make music and you're making music. How do you see the future as far as music is concerned and what you want to do? It's just a matter of time. We we want to be I don't know like known. Do you think the music you make will always reflect where you've come from? Yeah, yeah. Like, I would, I would, I would never change. Like, if if we made yeah, a million pound, yeah, the first thing I'd do is buy Bemerton and I'll put a fence around Bemerton and everyone would just live there without paying anything, anything. It's not just a north-south divide down the Cali, there's an east-west one too. Diana, you've taken me across to the other side of the road, but there's also a territorial division. Yeah, there's absolutely a huge division between Barnsbury and the other side of the road where everyone waves their arms and says this is the Bemertons, which some of, it, some of it is the Bemerton indeed, but this side of the road that we now are, the posh side, where the houses are bigger and it's altogether more salubrious. Because there is that division to a certain extent, and it is a division. Absolutely. I mean, it's sort of quintessential Islington. It's when, you know, people who go, oh, Islington, oh, it's all dinner parties and things. That's what they're talking, which it may or may not be here. I mean, I have lived on this side of the road without too many dinner parties, but um, there is that image of it. And, of course, for me, the real Islington is a very mixed place and nowhere more so than each side of the Cali Road. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet, mate. There used to be a lot of prostitutes. I had a prostitute approaching me and the coke was on the back of you, like, you know. Honestly, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I like girls, but I'm not that, you know, intellectual. Heading down the hill, past the canal, is an astonishing sight. A vertical garden hanging onto the side of a pub called The Driver. Its owner is Billy Riley, who ran the pioneering dance clubs in the industrial railway quarter not far from here. But he's moved on from the cross, the quay and the canvas, back to the Cali, to where his family hailed from. My granddad used to drink in here back in the 50s and 60s. What was it called then? It was called the uh, General Picton. I've always been one of these kind of people, like an entrepreneur. When I bought it, there was um, 18 bedsits, but my intention was to always turn it into what we've turned into now, which is gastropub restaurant and private lo lounges. We're on the first floor. 
this this is sort of like I won't say fine dining, but we tend to get a lot of people. I mean, especially over weekend, you'll get people who book this floor for for lunch, and then they'll have their friends up here. So they're pre-drinks sitting here, and then you know the children running around. Could you give me a sort of profile of the type of person who comes in? That would have said sort of like you know professional, sort of like probably 25 to 35, 40. You know, if they're coming here for lunch or meal, then that's one thing. But come the weekend, I mean, we have DJs and there's sort of like, you know, extra entertainment, which goes on to about four o'clock in the morning. And so different from your dad's day when he would walk into the pub and it would just be as like a saloon bar. And obviously the big key difference is the tables. Tables, chairs, wine glasses. Well, if, you look at, if you look at pubs now, I mean, you know, there's, I mean, when they say five pubs are closing each week, then, of course, they're those old, grotty, old men's pubs. Whereas today, pubs, gastro pubs, they've become restaurants, haven't they? I don't know whether pub is the right word anymore. Down here at the south end of the Cali, the street's character changes. The city is creeping in. In its darker days, it was rough and seedy. It was a place where the prostitutes and the drug addicts would hang out. A place for vice and sleaze. Things, though, are changing fast. Trendy pubs, cafes, restaurants have emerged. But there are still housemans. For half a century, number five Caledonian Road has been a beacon for the centres, pacifists and the free-spirited. Albert Beale is based in the upstairs office of Peace News and Malcolm Hopkins works in the ground floor bookshop. Okay, what we've got is obviously like most bookshops, we've got our stock in certain sections. The first one we're looking at is what we call our thinkers, like Franz Fanon, Walter Benjamin and Chomsky. And obviously people like Naomi Klein, No Logo. The other thing, of course, about the bookshop is not only have you got the sections and the books, but just the visuals. It's a very graphic shop. There's a, there's a, a sense of the whole kind of geography of, of, of the left, the socialism, situationism, anarchism. Well, well, actually, we've got books here that are more years old than we care to remember because we never managed to sell them. But over the years, like you said, we've got a, we do uh, exhibitions, we keep posters back, so there is some sort of history of what's gone on because obviously as the building's got a history, serve most of the political groups. A lot of it's just stuff that, you know, you get all these posters. When I first came here... We had thousands of stop the war in Vietnam badges, you know, so we end up with causes that are finished, but you still got the left. And I suppose there's other institutions already locally. There was the trade unions. A lot of the trade unions were based around here. I don't know if you're familiar with the poet Aiden Dunn, but he has this hypothesis that um, King's Cross is actually the centre of the universe, basically. There's been a lot more that's gone on around the King's Cross area than its grimy reputation might believe. And it's like, like Aiden Dunn's attitude is that Beneath the grime, it is pure gold. We're in the bookshop now. So where do, right. do you explain where we go, how we get well, into Well, from the, the bookshop, there's a door in the side of the shop. So the whole building's interconnected. We're all one happy family. So on, on the first floor, there's um, War Resist International are based here. Sort of the smell, the ambience takes me back <laughs> to the 70s and 80s. That sense of kind of semi-squat, cooperative, that kind of feel about yes, it. Yes, the Did fact it? that we can't afford to put new paint on the walls. Yes, well, we know that feeling, yes, yes. That's my cubbyhole, that's where I'm piled up, that's where I edit, edit an international directory of peace organisations. And that's the, that's the building where um, <clears throat> the McLeibel Defence Campaign had their weekly meetings to plan the defence of Dave and Helen during the McLeibel 2 case and things like that. So the building's had lots... In fact, 
<clears throat> the actual the, the group which published the leaflet, which led to that trial, London Greenpeace Group, that had its meetings in this building, had an office in this building at one stage. And in fact, this was the building where McDonald's sent their spies into the group to find names and addresses of people in order to sue them. So on the, on the second floor up, then we have more offices here. It's interesting, Albert, you know, it's, it's from the outside, it's a tall, slim building, but it's almost TARDIS like. There's stuff going on all over the place, isn't there? Well, yes, there is. In fact, we all tend to be in lots of little cubby holes. We have a, a sort of a bit of roof space you can just about climb. There was a time when somebody who was a volunteer for an organisation in the building actually, she lived on a mattress in there. She could hardly sit upright, but some years ago, there was a woman who actually camped up in there for years. Um, it, yes, well, anyway. You talk about the best, you know, a secret, this place being the secret. I'm just noticing things changing very rapidly in King's Cross generally, but also on this bit of Caledonian Road. I think it will get redeveloped, to be quite honest. Three or four years' time, I could imagine it being very different, actually. And, you know, once the place loses it's sort of, I don't know, character. That stays on for a while, but the people that gave that area its character, they end up being moved out. And although the myth and the folklore stays there for a certain period, the people who created it are gone, and after a while, it's like looking at an image, unfortunately. And I'm lucky that we're still here, where it's actually real. As soon as everything goes all right, and the credit crunch goes, and we are over that recession, I will sell and go. Business is booming back home in Egypt. So from the yeah. Caledonian Road to Cairo? Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Till pension, till pension, I like to do. After I'm going in mountains, small village life is. <laughs> I hate any more city life, really. The early sign was losing our whole food shop because of the rent increase, which I'd call the King's Cross factor. I think we're going to see more of that. Shops have come and gone, but structurally it hasn't really changed that much. I don't think in the next 50 years that things are going to change that much along this strip at all. You know what it is, I'll tell you the truth, yeah? Uh, you see us, we're plotting here, and it's all nice. When we leave the manor, there's always some weird feeling. What we're doing now is waiting to, to sign the contract, but we're on the way to getting closer to that anyway. When I make dough, all the youngers, I'll be giving, I'll be dropping a lot of money on people. So I know a lot of people struggle out here, like, I'll be dropping a lot of money to people. as you have in many parts of London, of gravity. And I often tell people who are lost, allow yourself to go downhill. And by going downhill, you will eventually get to the river. Here, you actually can feel yourself going somewhere, but you really don't know where. And the moment when you do arrive at King's Cross is still, to me, incredibly surprising. Every morning, if that's where I'm going, I go, oh my God, there's King's Cross.
And here we are at the bottom of the Caledonian Road at King's Cross with the glittering Eurostar greeting us. It's the new era for the area and behind the station some 70 acres of railway land are being transformed. The evolution of the southern end of the road is already underway. But what I wonder is going to happen next for those living and working further up the Cali.